0: Good morning, church. Well, we've already had church, so we can go home after that great anthem, right? I know some of you wanted to stand up, and some of you didn't want to. weren't sure. So let's just give them another hand of applause for a great job. Thank you. As Chad mentioned, we are continuing a sermon series on the Book of Ephesians. The sermon title is "If This Then That," um, and we're talking about unity today. and in this crazy world we live in, we see a world that is fractured. We see a culture that is divided. We see violence in our communities that is very troubling. And yet the church is called to demonstrate unity. And the, church, the world is looking at the church to see if we are something worth considering in a crazy, broken world. The Bible tells us, and this series recognizes, if this is true, these words of God are true, what you just sang is true, then that ought to affect the way we live our lives. It should change the way we live. In 1994, when Lynn and I arrived here, we uh, were excited to be here. We Felt like the church had potential, but one of the real concerns was there wasn't any youth per se uh, and very few children. And being a former youth pastor, uh, youth ministry was important to me, and we had a fourth grader and a sixth grader. And so the church needed to get something going in youth ministry, or our kids were going to have to go to church somewhere else. Uh, and that's always a little bit, a little. Shaky when, you're, when the pastor's kids go to church somewhere else. So it's a great story. We, uh, we wanted to invest in youth ministry at Mount Horeb, and the church really couldn't afford it. And the church needed a copy machine because the church also couldn't afford a secretary, and so I was a secretary. And I was taking uh, the bulletins to Kinko's to get them printed, and the church said, but we need a printer, a copier. And I said, well, that's true but we need a youth minister. And so we debated back and forth, youth minister, coffee machine. Uh, And the church decided to to buy a coffee machine, right? And uh, which was, you know, was good because I didn't have to go to Kinko's anymore. But With that said, uh, Lynn and I with some friends, invested some money in youth ministry early on and helped pay for the first position because we had a vested interest in it, but we also knew that it was important. And, and And our premise was in those days that people are moving to Lexington If they're doing that because of good schools and good community, then they would be looking for a church that offered good programming for students, if and then, right? And so we we invested 29 years ago in youth ministry. Well, this past Wednesday was a very special evening for me because it was Wednesday night middle school. And uh, this particular Wednesday night was the first time that fifth graders could come orientate to youth ministry so twenty nine years later, I got to go to youth ministry with our granddaughter, Harper Grace, for the very first time. And there we are at our at her first youth ministry. And if you would have told me twenty nine years ago, Jeff, if you start a youth ministry, then your granddaughter will get it enjoyed. I would have said i don't I don't know if that's even possible. you know, but here God comes full circle and blessing us and I look forward to all the other grandchildren of the church members and children of the church members that can participate in a great dynamic youth ministry, because we need youth ministry more today than we did 29 years ago. Amen? We need it today more. Well, the last few weeks, we have uh, laid out some good things in this series. We've talked about the salvation we have in Jesus Christ that we've been given the grace of God, and because we've been given the grace of God, we should be grateful and we should be gracious. These are wonderful things, but now we get to chapter 4, and it leads off with the word therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to pay attention because something better is about to occur. So I want to read to you today the reading for this morning, and if you're able, would you stand? If you're watching online, you can join us and follow along. It's a long reading, but it's an important reading. Ephesians chapter four, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he's given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of our God's Son, that we be that we, we mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. The word of God for the people of God, be God. You may be seated. Father God, I thank you for the word that you have given to the church, the church at Ephesus, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And Lord, may this word, your living word, be just as applicable to us here today in the 21st century, 2023, Mount Horeb United Methodist Church, as it was for the church at Ephesus. So speak to us through these words. Speak through me. May you be glorified. May you be honored. And may, may we be united as one. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, this is the turning point in the book of Ephesians. It's time to move from the theological to the practical. If these things are true that has been pointed out in chapters one, two, and three, then it's going to affect how we live. I love this statement. Therefore, what, I, what we believe will affect how we behave. What we believe will affect how we behave. There's a lot here in this chapter, and I won't have time to unpack it all. And I'm going to focus on unity as a key word that Paul is lifting up in his letter. Unity in the Bible means oneness. It means harmony. It means alignment. It means agreement. And unity is a great thing in the church until fill in the blank. Unity is great until fill in the blank. Until I get my feelings hurt, until somebody sits in my pew, (laughs) until somebody gets my favorite parking place, it can be that simple to cause disunity in the church. You know, I remember whenever I got got out of high school and early into college, we formed a singing group called Faith Incorporated. And uh, we ended up doing an album, I think just for the nostalgic purposes. That's our album cover, early 70s. On the back is the, uh, us there. That's who we were. And so you notice up there we got microphones, right? Well, when we first started, we didn't have microphones because we didn't have a sound system because we were just getting started, right? And so we were singing in churches, and we were getting a little bit you know, more requests coming in. So, so, we just, so the guys in the group decided we needed to buy a sound system. And the girls in the group said, we don't need a sound system. It'll change who we are. Well, we need a sound system. So the guys won, and uh, we went down uh, to the music store, and we bought a Yamaha stereo mixer, you know, because that stereo would make a difference for us, you know. And so we got it, hooked it all up, and we were practicing in a little Baptist church in Kentucky uh, for a Sunday service, and we are sounding great stereo and, you know, I don't know how cause we were behind the speakers we could hear, but it sounded good to me anyway, uh, sounded great, and then all of a sudden we smell something, and we look over and the Yamaha stereo mixer is on fire, you know <laughs> you know, I guess we were just too hot a group for it, I don't know, but anyway, but it, it, it's burning up, right and, and And so you know what the girl said, right? Yeah, we had unity until we bought that mixer, and then God burned it up so you guys would believe so. You know, I learned early that unity can be a troubling thing. So you know, fast forward a couple of years later, we're down at Lakewood Campground, uh, singing on 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 the, on the beachfront down there at the pavilion. There's a little old seashell there, and we sing in it, right? Well, you know, we got to the point where, you know, we were more and more people were coming, and and so the girls in the group decided that we needed to have an order of worship, right? And we'd always just kind of gone, you know, spontaneous and. You know, hey, you sing here, you share here, and we just let the spirit lead, right? Well, the girls thought it was time for us to get some order, and so they insisted that we start writing down an order. Well, the guys we didn't like that. Uh, the girls insisted, so we gave in, right? And it's, it's, it's pre-planning center, and I got one in my I have one in my pocket or somewhere. I've already lost it. Uh, oh, here it is, planning center. This is right here. It's got every minute that where I'm supposed to be, you know, and where I'm supposed to be. And I'm probably two minutes behind right now. But anyway, uh, but, but this, was, this was the pre-planning center. I didn't like it then, and I don't really like it now. But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so we, we, we wrote those things out. Here, the girls came. They'd written them all out for us. You know, here's the four songs, testimony, four songs, testimony, closing words, song, all written out. Here's your piece of paper. Well, we took those pieces of paper. We didn't know what to do with them. You know, what do you do with it, you know? So we put it on the, on the cement floor, tried to put the mic stand on it. And you can imagine being down on the ocean. It didn't take long for the wind to blow those things off. And So you know what we did? After the concert, the guy said, we told you so, right? Anyway, so um, it's those kinds of things that disrupt a good thing in the church. Uh, unity, uh, it, it refers in the Bible, in the Hebrew meaning, is, is, is oneness in reference to the nature and the character of God. Earlier, you shared together in the Apostles' Creed. And in the Apostles' Creed, you lift up the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The oneness of God. That is the essence of unity. Biblical unity is the oneness of God. And that unity is a gift to us through the Holy Spirit. Now, unity is received, not achieved. You can't achieve unity that's biblical it can only be received. I love these words. I shared these with our men Friday morning, our prayer time together. John 17, Jesus praying over the disciples, praying to the father. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. Even then Jesus was praying for us. And you'll see in the text, one of the things he's praying for is unity i pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Unity is very important in the church because when we have unity, people will begin to believe in Jesus Christ. Verse 22, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. I, I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So Jesus prayed for unity. Jesus died for unity. Jesus resurrected for unity, and he continues to intercede for us for unity because one of the priestly duties of Jesus, he's at the right hand of God, according to Hebrews, interceding on behalf of you and I. And one of the things he's praying for is unity, That these folks who call themselves our followers, believers, will be a witness to the world with their unity. That they won't have a fight about the mixer blowing up or the planning center blowing off the stage. Right? They'll be unified together because the world is watching. Now, let me say this. It cannot be achieved. It can only be received because it comes through the Holy Spirit. Unity is also not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. Now, the Ephesus church is made up of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Different religions, different cultural backgrounds, but the gospel of Jesus Christ unites them. And Paul is not wanting to create a Jewish Christian church and a Gentile Christian church. He's wanting to create one church where they worship together, grow together, demonstrate unity together. You know, the same gospel, the same grace the same God, and that's what we have in common here today. But we don't all look alike. We don't all, just like they didn't all look alike, they didn't have the same background, the same language, the same ethnicity, but yet they're called to be one. So this morning, for example, here at Mount Horeb, we got some folks that are here in the room and some folks that are watching online, but we're still the same church, right? we got some folks that are worshiping in the traditional space and folks that are worshiping in the contemporary space. We worship differently, but we worship the same Lord. The same Jesus Christ that's being worshiped in this room is being worshiped in that room. Now, the music may be a little louder over there, and the choir may be more polished in here, but it's the same Lord we're worshiping. And I don't know if any of you were there or not, but I've already called out four people that were at the uh, Styx concert uh, at the, a couple weeks ago. Lynn and I were there at the Stix concert. I, I remember their music being softer than it was, uh, and, and it was really loud, you know? I mean, it was really loud. It was really good, but it was so loud that I could feel the music in my chest, and uh, and during the intermission, Lynn and I thought about leaving early. We said, well, maybe they're gonna sing some of the softer songs after intermission. And then I saw some of Mount Horb people, um, some Mount Horb traditional people who were sitting on the second row of the Sticks concert and their hair was all messed up and you know, and the loud, you know? And I'll go down and go, what you guys doing here? Oh man, we're got to the this concert. And they had earplugs in and pulling the earplugs out. And they go, I never want to hear you say again that it's too loud. Because if you were in this room, it is loud in here. You know? But we worship the same God when we worship here at Mount Horv, right? Different styles, same God. And I want to say to you again, I've said it many times, that we will always, as I'm the senior pastor, have excellent traditional worship. Amen? Amen. And it's great. But we're also going to have excellent contemporary worship because it's great. right? And, and, and we, but we worship the same Lord. Now, I would say also, and just looking around the room, and in the two spaces, we don't all dress alike. Some of you got some ties on in the room. Some of us have got a sports jacket on the room. And, you know, over next door, you know, I, I don't know, you know. I, I saw Bryce running around with a pink shirt on. I go, Bryce, what are you thinking? And he said, well, we're doing baptisms over there. So he was already pre-dressed for baptism. We're doing 15 immersion baptisms over in the other room. That's exciting. I'm, yeah, I, I'm I love being with you, but as Melody's in sermon prayer, if I was kind of torn, I want to be over there too. I want to be with those in the pool, you know? But, uh, but we don't all dress the same, but we all are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We don't all witness the same way. Some of you are more bold. Some of you are more quiet. Some of you are more outspoken. Some of you are more quietly spoken. But we all are called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. One of the challenges at Mount Horeb through the years has been all the folks that have come from different church backgrounds. And with that comes different structure and different government. And people say, well, Pastor we didn't do that at our church. Well, you're not there anymore. You know? But we all do things differently, right? Uh, different churches have different structures, different government, different modes of baptism. Uh, some believe how the world will end will be different. Some believe that Jesus will return sooner or later. And so we're, we're, not, we're different, but we still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We still believe in the scriptures. I love this quote, and Wesley used it, John Wesley, other theologians. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. It's a great statement for unity in the church. And I believe in the text that Paul lifts up six essentials for unity. He, he says that we, we are one body. Even though we're in two buildings we're still one body, right? We're still the church. Even though there are churches spread all over Lexington, we're still one body. Earlier you said in the Apostles' Creed we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It doesn't mean we believe in the, align ourselves with the Roman Catholic Church, but it means that we believe that the Catholic Church universal, the body of Christ, including the Roman Catholic Church, those believers are part of one body, right? So it's, we believe in a, the big C church, the body of Christ. One body, one spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us and convinces us. One hope. What is our hope? Is our, that we will one day, when we leave this planet, go, go to heaven. We'll be glorified through the power uh, and presence of God. And if, if, if the Lord Jesus comes back before that time, we'll be part of the new kingdom. That's our hope. We have one Lord, Jesus Christ, that we worship, serve, and surrender our lives to. We have one faith. We, we're saved only by faith. It's a gift of God. One baptism, now we do different modes of baptism at Mount Horby the Methodists, and other denominations, but we believe in one baptism. We believe that baptism is essential to being a Christ follower. We believe in one God, the one true God above all other gods. And all these, I believe, are essential to our unity in the church, here and with believers all over the world. These are essential doctrines that we believe in. I love this statement from the Western Covenant website. It says, as frail and fallible human beings, anybody here frail? Anybody here fallible? If you're not fallible, then that's why we we got a problem with unity (laughs) because we're all fallible, right? We're all all sinners here. He goes on to say, we anticipate passionate disagreements and robust debates. I've had some of those with some of you. Robust debates and passionate disagreements But like any healthy and vibrant church, we will work together to identify and affirm those essentials that will unite us. There are essentials that unite us as a church. Amen? Amen. And there's some other differences that we might disagree on. But there are essentials. Liberty in non-essentials, charity in all things. I love what Charles Swindoll said. He says, there was a time in my life when I had answers to questions that no one was asking. I had a position that life was so rigid I could fight for every jot and tittle. I couldn't list enough things that I would die for. But the older I get, the shorter that list gets. Because we start to grow up. There's a lot of hills you can die on. There's a lot of battles you can fight. But if we're going to be truly united in Christ, we've got to realize which battles we need to fight. You know, I'm willing to die on the hill of truth. That's one hill that I'm willing to die on. Truth as revealed in Scripture, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And I'm willing to die on the hill of truth because I don't want to live on a mountain of lies. And we have a lot of lies in our culture, have a lot of lies in our world that is just not reality. Reality. And we got to choose as believers the, the body of Christ, the church, Big C Church, are we going to stand for truth in a, in a, in a, in a world of lies? And, I, and it's important that we do that. And that's what Paul was saying basically to the church at Ephesus. You can't let the culture dictate. You've got to be essentials. He gave them the essentials. Now, unity is not uniformity. Let me say another word about that. Another illustration. Um, Lynn wanted to watch a documentary and it was a religious documentary and I'd had enough church that week, so I didn't want to watch it. And uh, she said, no, you need to watch this. So she won. And it was a documentary called Jesus Music. It was a documentary of the uh, beginning and history of contemporary worship. And as I watched it, it was fascinating to see how God used people in that movement. And it started in the 70s, so I could relate to that. Uh, if, I, I recommended for you to see the movie Jesus Revolution, which was an incredible movie. Um, but the Jesus music talks about how this music began and, and the church did not, want it, did not want the music. The contemporary music was not welcome in the church. It was uh, devil music. There's a clip of uh, uh, Jimmy Swigert preaching that that's devil music. We don't need it in the church. And, uh, and, and then I remembered, you know, as I was watching it <laughs> in 1995 when we began a contemporary service up there uh, in the, uh, in the uh, old chapel, and I thought I was going to lose my job. Um, but but we, we knew it was going to reach a generation, right? So fast forward to 1972, there was a Christian music festival in Houston. 130,000 young people showed up. In Houston all to listen to contemporary music and guess who sponsored that guess who was behind that music festival dr. Billy Graham dr. Billy Graham knew that this music was going to reach the next generation fast forward to 1994 maybe 95 I think Richard and Melville you were here at that time maybe some others you were here and dr. Billy Graham is going to be preaching in Charlotte doing a revival it was our first Mount Horde trip ever. Chartered a bus. Everybody on that bus was older than Lynn and I. No young people, no youth. We didn't have many. And I didn't check the calendar. I probably should have. Uh, it was Youth Night. And uh, we get up there, it is raining. And, and, uh, and the music is DC Talk, right? A Christian rap band, right? Uh, Toby Mack, lead singer for DC Talk, right? May raising a hand back there? Got that? Got that? And then they had Michael W. Smith, and I thought he was pretty mellow, but he he's got some heavy stuff too. And they're all playing this heavy music. And my 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 row of Mount Horror people were sitting with umbrellas. And one lady leaned down and said to Pastor Jeff, "When's Johnny Cash singing?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Johnny's on the schedule tonight. I think you know. And uh, I never forget when Billy Graham walked out to preach, he asked all those thousands of young people to find a seat because they were everywhere, like ants in a fire ant hill. And all of a sudden, they sat down, it stopped raining, and Billy Graham walked out and preached a sermon about the cross, as he always does, and he mentioned Madonna, how Madonna wore a cross, but maybe didn't know what it meant. And, and, he, and then I, he gave an invitation after a 20-minute talk, and I saw thousands and thousands and thousands of young people come down to that football field and give their life to Christ. And that planted a vision in that whole row of Mount Horeb people that said, hey, we need to do that at Mount Horeb, you know. But Billy Graham saw that unity is not uniformity and he blessed a a music that is changing worship uh, in our world today and drawing people like we never thought it would draw that's why we built a much larger building over there because of the need for it so unity is not something we manufacture but something we maintain we're called to maintain it. Ephesians 4, 2, verse 2 and 3 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. We are called to maintain. We can't manufacture unity, but we can maintain it. I want you to hear that. Maintain means we got to continue it. <clears throat> we, gotta, we, gotta not, we we got to endeavor. we got to stay after it. So I want to give you some suggestions on how we maintain unity in the church. And again, as we think about all the danger in the world and all the trouble in the world and the, the, the violence that's going on in our world, the church is not to be an island of unity. You hear that? We're not to come here and to get away from all the trouble. We're here to be equipped to go out into the world and make it a better place. We're called to go out and demonstrate what unity should look like, not of a holier than thou attitude, but with a Christ centered attitude. So I'm going to give you these real quickly. Uh, how do you maintain unity in the church? Number one, stay connected to Christ. You've got to stay connected to Christ. It's about Jesus. Galatians 2.20, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, that, that's, that's received. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Stay connected to Christ. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Stay connected to the prayer Jesus prayed. Father, may they be one as we are one. Seek to have the mind of Christ. Stay connected to Christ. Number two, stay faithful to scripture. You want to have unity. It's not your opinion, my opinion, their opinion. We got to stay focused on scripture as delivered in the word of God. Ephesians 4, if you do that, it says, you won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Unity, comes from saying faithful to the scriptures. I got this beautiful picture. Grace Marie found this. She's doing a great job speaking over in the auditorium today. But this is a picture from a, a Lutheran pastor and a professor from Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon University. That represents the, that represents the 63,000 cross-references in the Bible. 63,000 cross-references in the Bible. Now think about that. The Bible was written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and a bit Aramaic over a millennium and a half, different types of literature, 40 different people wrote it, different cultures, geographical parts of the world spanned by about 2,500 miles. And yet there's this incredible diversity and unity in the Bible. There's 350 quotations of the Old Testament in the New Testament. And these, these New Testament and Old Testament writers were faithful to the authority of Scripture as coming from God. This is God's word to us. It is the foundation of our faith and the foundation of our church. So we got to stay connected to Christ and stay faithful to Scripture. Now, I believe that in all my years at Mount Horeb, in all my years of ministry, what I witnessed here in in the auditorium on February 26th is when our church came together to vote, to make a vote to separate, which doesn't sound like unity, but to separate from the denomination because we were going to stand and stay faithful to scripture and to see almost 1600 people come to vote together to, to make a decision. There was great unity in our church in that moment. And not only that, we will, we will join the Lord willing on June the 5th or 6th at a vote uh, and June the 30th with a closing on that with the annual conference, 112 other churches from South Carolina including the four largest churches in South Carolina, Methodist churches in South Carolina. Yesterday, there were 576 churches around the country just yesterday that voted to join us as well. We will join them. Uh, By the end of the year, there'll be about 5,000 United Methodist churches that will stay connected to Christ by staying faithful to scripture. And that promotes unity within the body of Christ. But not just Methodist unity. We are joining Christians from all over the world all different denominations who believe staying connected to Christ and staying faithful to scripture is a good thing. And I believe it's high time that we in the church, who believe in those essentials, essentials about scripture and essentials about Christ, put down some of our denominational differences, some of those petty things that we disagree on and, and, and come together and be the church, right? And that we get become a stronger church. And this church is a great example, I think, can be, of a melting pot church of people from different denominations who've come here to worship together because we believe in the essentials together. And we focus on the essentials, and we don't let the little, the non-essentials trip us up. It's a challenge sometimes, trust me. But it's something that's it's where we're headed within the body of Christ. That's God's plan for the church is to put aside the non-essentials. And hold on to the essentials. So stay faithful, stay connected, and stay focused. What's the focus? Is this the focus? in here from John 17. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That's our focus. The focus is that the world will believe in Jesus Christ. And they will do so because of our unity. They will be attracted to the church, the body of Christ, because of the unity English Puritan Thomas Manton put it this way, division in the church breeds atheism in the world. Divisions in the church breeds atheism in the world because a lack of unity turns people away from the church. So stay focused on advancing the mission that people would know Jesus. Number four, stay humble. Humility is unity in action. We're to be image bearers of God. And humility doesn't mean we depreciate ourselves but we elevate others. I love C.S. Lewis said this way, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Jesus is a great example of that. So stay focused, stay humble, stay faithful, stay connected. And this is important, Paul says, stay gentle. Gentleness is strength under control. Gentleness under control. And gentleness grows unity. Yesterday, we saw uh, the Kentucky Derby, right? Those beautiful, strong-willed horses that didn't like each other, right? Those horses do not like each other. They can't let them get together. But because they were under control, they were able to put on a great show, a great race in front of millions of people because it was horsepower under control. That's what Jesus wants for his church. Now, let me tell you, at Mount Horeb, there's a lot of horsepower here. You check under the engine, there's a lot of horsepower at Mount Horeb. There's a lot of gifted people. There's a lot of uh, people that want to be leaders and that people that want to make a difference. There's movers and shakers. There's people that want to serve in Vacation Bible School. There's a lot of horsepower at this church. But it needs to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Equipped with gentleness and humility and focused on the mission and staying faithful to Scripture and staying connected to Christ. And finally, I would say to maintain, we've got to stay intentional. Because there will be those things and those situations that will try to break up the church. Always have and always will. There will be those who want to sow seeds of disunity in the church. There are those who will be enemies of God's purpose. There will be those who persecute the church. There will be false teaching. There will be sin within the church. And there will be sin outside the church. Trying to divide the church. But I want you to know the things that try to break us will will never be as strong as what binds us together. The things that try to break us as a church, the body of Christ, Big C Church and Mount Horeb will never be as strong as that which binds us because what binds us together is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And so we need to maintain unity and be intentional about it. And then finally, I want to say this, unity is bringing a multitude to maturity. I got that right this time. I made the mistake in earlier saying unity is bringing a multitude to maternity. <laughs> now, that's how you grow the church numerically, <laughs> but to grow the sp- church spiritually, we've got to bring a multitude to maturity. The mission statement of Mount Horb is to make disciples who mature, to become mobile Who become those who magnify Jesus Christ, who multiply and grow. We need to bring a multitude to maturity in Jesus Christ. We need to develop leaders at Mount Horeb. Because God has some great things in in the future for this church as we make an impact locally and globally, but we need more leaders. We need to raise up more youth as leaders, we need to raise up more children as leaders. We need to let new people lead. We need to let people have been here a long time to lead. We need to have leaders in the church. Paul said it this way again in chapter 4. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll be no longer, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Unity is bringing a multitude to maturity. That's God's path. That's God's plan. He wants the church to grow up. You know, you're always going to have children. You're always going to have babes in Christ, babes in the faith, but we need mature Christians. Revelation gives us a picture of what it looks like. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Then I looked. John the Revelator, and there was a great multitude which no one could count from all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hand. Unity. That's the picture of the coming kingdom. I love these words from Isaiah as he made a prophecy. This is from the message paraphrase. Isaiah chapter 11. This is an incredible depiction of what unity should look like. In God's creation, the wolf will romp with the lamb. The leopard sleep with the kid. Calf and lion will eat from the same trough and a little child will tend them. A cow and bear will graze the same pasture. Their calves and cubs grow up together. The lion eats straw with the ox. The nursing child will crawl over rattlesnakes and the toddler stick his hand down the hole of his serpent. Neither animal nor human will hurt or kill on my holy mountain. Why? Because of the unity of the Holy Spirit in that time. Now, let me just say that the reality is that all of us are a work in progress. All of us are seeking to have the mind of Christ. All of us are seeking to think like Christ, to live like Christ. But we're not there yet. But we need to keep striving, right? Keep growing keep going, to be like-minded believers with the same vision, the same mission, and the same biblical conviction. And today, if you're listening and you feel disconnected, or you feel disillusioned, or you feel disheartened, or you feel desperate, I want you to know that Jesus is inviting you into a relationship with him and with a whole big body of believers who are going to be with you in the journey. Thanks be to God. And God's people said, let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that you have sent your son Jesus into the world. He prayed for us that hadn't come yet, hadn't even been born yet, hadn't been thought of yet. He prayed for us. And His prayer, Father, for us to be united with you like you and Jesus were united. That we'd be one together. And that because of our oneness together that the world would believe in you. So help us, Father, as the church, as believers in Jesus, to be united so that those who don't know you will come to know you. And I pray for that person today who feels disconnected, who feels separated from the church. And I pray, Father God, that you would heal any hurts. And I pray that you would bring the unity of your Holy Spirit into their heart. And Father, anyone that's not in a relationship with you right now, I pray that they would bring to you their sins and know how much you love them and that you will wash away their sins and forgive them and you will come into their heart and they'll begin to experience the unity that Jesus prayed for. Lord, may we have that unity here at Mount Horeb, whether we worship in the sanctuary, worship in the auditorium, whether we're in a small group, whether we're in a Sunday school class, whether we dress up or we dress down, whether we're involved in missions locally or involved in missions overseas. Lord, may we be your church, the body of Christ. Bind us together, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit. And ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.